0: 412 Podcast. What is up? It is Wednesday morning and I am just getting ready for tonight. I am so excited to be back in our series, Back to the Basics. We are in part three, actually, of this series that we have just been going over um, a lot of the terms that maybe those of us that grew up in church have heard for a long time, Uh, maybe things that we didn't understand or maybe things that we've come to just sort of resent or even be stale toward or maybe just being afraid to admit that we don't really get some of this biblical terminology. And so last week we unpacked what the Bible actually says about the gospel and what the Bible means when it talks about the gospel, the good news. And so moving forward now, we're kind of going into that next step then for those that have believed the gospel, for those that have um, confessed their need for Christ, accepted him as savior, put their faith in his sacrifice. The next step then is this idea of walking in the spirit. It just sounds kind of weird, right? We maybe grew up uh, just kind of used to hearing this term, but we never fully understood it. We grew up maybe hearing about things like the Trinity, We know that God exists in three parts, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but what does that look like? What does that mean for us? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? And so one of the things that we want to do before we jump into what walking in the Spirit should look like, or what walking in the Spirit is, we want to clarify some things that walking in the Spirit is not. Walking in the Spirit is not some mystical thing or some voodoo, and it's also not following your heart or letting your conscience be your guide. It's not just some feeling or something you intellectually think about or understand. It's not just praying about it or letting go and letting God. Um, Walking in the spirit isn't exercising spiritual gifts or having some sort of especially spiritual moment, right? Walking in the spirit is God himself living in and through you. And so to give some clarity on God the Spirit, remember, he's a part of the Trinity. He is the, He is a part of God. It's, it's like an egg. The Trinity is three parts and making up one being. You've got the egg is the shell and the yolk and the white. They're all the egg, but they're all individual parts, and they all have individual functions. And this is the same with the Trinity. You have God the Father. He is in control. He's on the throne. He's creator. He's sustainer. And you have God the Son, who was our sacrifice. He was the person of Jesus. He was the one who died on the cross and rose again. That's the gospel we talked about last week. And now he intercedes on our behalf. He 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 is the one that has has made a way for us to have a relationship with God the Father. And then you have God, the Holy Spirit, and this is the form of God on the earth working in and through us today, and that's what we're going to talk about now. This idea of walking in the Spirit is referenced all over the New Testament for that reason, especially uh, post-death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, especially in the start of the New Testament church just to ramble off a few first corinthians twelve thirteen, he talks about how we've been baptized by his spirit into his body paul talks in first corinthians 12 about spiritual gifts and the role of the church and its members and then he says remember you've been made part of this church a part of this family by god's spirit he explains that further in ephesians 3. in romans 8 we, we talked about this last week that there is no condemnation to those who are in christ who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit remember we mentioned last week if you believe the gospel now you follow the spirit of god you are led by the spirit of god and later he explains in romans 8 15 he says we have not received a spirit of fear but a spirit of adoption we're a part of the family of god we're made part of the family of god by his spirit and then in ephesians we've talked about this at length you remember he explains the gospel in chapters one and two and then in chapter 3, he kind of explains this mystery that's been revealed to him, the body of Christ, the, the the Spirit unifying us together, right? This revelation he receives, that's chapter 3. And then in chapter 4 and verse 3, he says, So you should endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So you see, all throughout the New Testament, there's references like this. You see the idea of letting God's Spirit transform us into something different than ourselves into something beyond ourselves that's a ton of information and and i would encourage you guys uh, to go and study that out, but we want to try to make this a little bit more simple and practical, and you see um, all of those that I just mentioned kind of referenced together again in Galatians chapter 5, and so that's where we're going to be for most of this study. The entire book of Galatians is about what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. It's about the finished work of Jesus. It's it's about um, the transition from the law to the gospel, to the work of Christ, and in Galatians 5, it's ironic that he he transitions because he gives four different words then following all of that theology about the gospel. And he gives four different words now uh for how to live in light of the spirit of God. In chapter five and verse sixteen, he says, Walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. In chapter five and verse eighteen, he says, For if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. In chapter 5 and verse 22 he says the fruit of the Spirit is and then he explains those we'll get to those later and then in chapter 5 verse 25 he says if we live by the Spirit let us also walk by the Spirit so a lot of Scripture and a lot of information but I want to lay the foundation here to make it as simple as possible let me give this statement and then we'll unpack it what is walking in the Spirit walking in the Spirit is allowing god to produce in us things that we would otherwise never produce it is yielding to god's leading and god's control and this is what he unpacks in the progression through galatians and especially in galatians chapter 5. in galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 he says this i say then walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh Look, you don't become perfect when you get saved. I, I did most of my sinning after I got saved. I continue to sin to this day, though I have been saved and have been baptized by the Spirit for years and years. We, we are made right with God in that he sees us as forgiven. Those of us that have believed the gospel have been redeemed. We've been restored. We talked about this last week, but we still live in a broken, sinful world, and we are still broken, sinful people, and this is why we need the Holy Spirit of God paul says in my own strength in my own flesh i will fail and this is why i'm walking in the spirit this means i'm yielding to god i'm surrendering to god i'm not going to fulfill the desires of the flesh see a lot of us are blaming the spirit for doing things that we already want to do we read verses like delight in the lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart so we're like well i'm just gonna follow my heart because he's giving me that desire if i delight in him let me ask you, when is the last time you felt like God called you to do something that you didn't really want to do? When is the last time that you felt God calling you to do something that would make you uncomfortable or calling you to do something that made you nervous or calling you to do something that, that meant you have to give something up for His glory? See, if, if what you consider the Spirit is always leading you to fulfill the desires of your own heart for your own sake, then it might not be the Spirit. But Paul says, instead, when you walk in the Spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lusts or the desires of the flesh. And he goes on, though, he says, because if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We talked about this last week, Romans 8, that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We're not going to take the time to dive back into this again, but simply put, God's Spirit should be leading us to a deep sense of conviction over our sin without allowing us to stay in a place of guilt or torment over it. It's that healthy tension that happens where we have a deep sense of conviction, of brokenness, of of pain over our sin and and the weight of that. But it also shouldn't uh, be this guilt-driven torment over our sin it's it's not a place that we should stay there is no condemnation see a lot of us grew up being taught this kind of man-centered idea of how we deal with sin that if we felt bad about the bad things we were doing it's because we were under the conviction of the holy spirit and while there is truth to that what was missing from that teaching is the next step forward we weren't meant to stay there conviction and brokenness over our sin were meant to lead us back to jesus and if what you perceive to be the Spirit is always leading you back at, to look at yourself if, if what you perceive to be the Spirit is always leading you to to focus more on you then it may not be the Spirit see it was never meant to be about us that's the point the Holy Spirit is transforming us and it's making us focus on Jesus the first point is this God's Spirit should humble us God's Spirit should be doing a work that takes our focus off of us that's what he says in verses 16 and 18 he says 16 walk in the spirit and you're not going to fulfill the desires of your flesh and then in verse 18 he says those that are led by the spirit are not under the law what he's saying there is hey we're not going back to those old traditions those old ways those old uh, convictions or perceptions of morality we are following after god we are living in light of jesus work we are are living to know and show christ that's the point that the holy spirit is transforming us that he is making us more like jesus and producing something in us and that's why he gets to verse 22 and he says but the fruit of the spirit that fruit is produce. It's something that is grown within us. And those fruits are love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And then he says against those things, there is no law. He says if, if we have these things being produced in us, if God is, is through his Spirit working these things out through us, we're not going to be breaking any of the law. He says we, we don't really need the law to tell us not to sin against our neighbor if we have love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness we don't need the law to tell us not to sin against god if we are patient and we have goodness and faith and meekness and temperance like he says against these things there is no law we we are not naturally loving and gentle and patient and kind we need God's help. We need his guidance. And so for so long, maybe we grew up with this teaching that if we are walking by the spirit, that means I am trying to be more loving or joyful or peaceful or, or patient or good. I'm trying to do that in my own strength, but that's still not walking in the spirit what walking in the spirit means is is it's it's surrendering our desires to god's it is it is being in a constant state of dependence upon him being constantly cognizant of his presence in our life and allowing him to transform us and produce in us these qualities that we could not produce in our own strength he goes on in verse 24 and he says they that are christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust he says if you're in christ you've you've forsaken that old man you've crucified the flesh and then he says verse 25 so if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit Verse 25 is translated, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. But it's different than the word that's used in verse 16 when he says, walk in the Spirit. In verse 16, he says, walk in the Spirit. That word just literally means to walk he's simply saying how are you living what is your your faith walk like but in verse 25 there's been a progression that's taken place now where he says if we live by the spirit let us walk and that word is stoichomen which is uh, similar to that word stoichia where we get rulers it means to to walk in step to be in rows to walk by rule so he says if we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit This carries with it the idea of of a group of military members following in step with one another and in submission to their leader. There is a unity that goes hand in hand with this, where he says, you wanna have these qualities produced in you, these fruits of the spirit, and as they're produced in you, he says, we're gonna crucify the flesh, and as we do that, we're living in the spirit, we're walking in step with him. We're walking in order, step by step, with the spirit and with one another. I mentioned Ephesians 4 earlier, but you see that again in Ephesians 4 and verse 3. He says, we endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is the idea that we would be the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Jesus, that we would love God and love others. Jesus tells his disciples, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love, one To another. This is the idea. God's Spirit humbles us, and so that the second thing, God's Spirit unites us. In John chapter 16, Jesus actually prays to God the Father, and he says, I pray that they would be one as you and I. Father are one. This, this is his desire. This is, is his prayer that as the Holy Spirit unites us to him eternally, that the Holy Spirit would unite us to one another and that we would all become one body, that we would all become one unit, that we would all have one singular focus, one singular goal. Jesus says as much as, as God the Father, God the Son, and Holy Spirit are one as they work together, as much as the egg yolk, the egg white, and the egg shell are all one egg, that we would be one as, as believers, that we would be working together. That is the goal. That is the vision. And God's Spirit is doing that work in us. You say, I want that. I want that kind of relationship with God. And I want that kind of relationship with others. Then we move to the next question. How do I receive the Spirit? How, how do i receive that spirit then receiving the spirit works like this it is by putting our faith in the gospel putting our faith in the gospel makes us right with god the father and it unites us to jesus and to one another through His Spirit. We talked about this at length and in clarity last week, but really quickly, if we go back a couple chapters in the book of Galatians, we'll we'll see some context there. Because in Galatians chapter five, Paul says, hey, this is how to live, this is how to walk in the Spirit. But in Galatians chapter three, he explains where that process starts. In Galatians chapter three, in verse one, he says, "'O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you "'that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth and crucified among you. And then he says, this only would I learn you if he says, this is all I'm asking. And then he says this in verse two, received you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. This is the entire point. It goes back to the gospel. He says, hey, who is who has tricked you? Didn't you see Jesus? He evidently was set forth. He was crucified before your very eyes. And this is what I want to know. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Or did you receive it by hearing of faith. He says, by responding to the gospel. He says, it was Christ's death, burial, and resurrection that saved you. It was faith in Jesus that gives you the Holy Spirit. When you believe the gospel, he sends his spirit to dwell in all those who believe you don't get the spirit and lose the spirit this is why we don't believe in being slain in the spirit or having moments in the spirit this is not a work of the flesh this is a divine work of god himself that eternally unites us to jesus and to one another through his spirit and there is a freedom that comes when we recognize that that is not contingent upon us see god's spirit frees us god's spirit frees us in verse three, he says, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect in the flesh? He's like, no, you, you can't do this work. Look, if if you still have not put your faith in Jesus, none of the rest of this matters. There's nothing you can do to, to be better or to, to live like you're walking in the spirit. But if you have put your faith in Jesus, there's still nothing you can do to to earn more of the Spirit, or to earn more of His love. You are free, you are redeemed, and you have the Spirit of God inside of you. And this is good news and so you say well why does this matter then like why why do i need to receive the holy spirit if if i've already got him or if, if you know i i can already you know just follow jesus like what's the point here's the point we need to receive the holy spirit why because we will either live for this world or live for eternity we will either live for the flesh or walk after the spirit those are the two options I mentioned in John chapter 15 and 16 earlier, how Jesus prayed for uh, all of us that would believe that we would be one. But in John chapter 15, Jesus actually tells his disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. Which is ironic because then Jesus is about to die, be buried and rise again, and then ascend to heaven and is gonna be away from them. He says, apart from you can do nothing, but then in verse 16 he says, but it's actually better for you that I go because then the comforter will come. See, this is the idea. Jesus was the image of God on the earth, but when he left, he sent his spirit and we now have the spirit within us. We are now the hands and feet of Jesus, the body of Christ. We are now the image of God for the world to see and left to ourselves, we are in big trouble but through god's spirit first corinthians we have this treasure in earthly vessels why so the excellency may be of god and not of us so that people would notice him and not us this is the point god's spirit last thing god's spirit empowers us we need god paul says i don't do the stuff i know i'm supposed to do i do the stuff i know i'm not supposed to do and then he says at the end of Romans chapter seven, with the flesh I still serve sin, but with the mind I can serve the law of God. And then he says in verse eight or chapter eight, there's no condemnation, why? Because I walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That is it, that is the point. God's spirit empowers us. It is him working in and through us. It is to him who wills, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so the last thing you might ask is then, how do I know I'm walking in the Spirit? Well, let me ask you, go through those four things we, we talked about. How often are you yielding to the Holy Spirit's promptings? Like Satan will rarely ask you to be generous or be selfless or be humble. And so if you're feeling that, it, it, it's probably not a bad thing. Might, might be the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter five, he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. How often do you display the fruits of the Spirit? Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4, he talks about how we should be growing in in the knowledge of him, that we should be growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How often do you worship God? How often do you study scripture? How often do you pray? Because it's hard to do those things and not be in the spirit or not be led by the spirit. And then in Ephesians 4, he talks about keeping the unity of the spirit and the bond of the peace. If, If the spirit unites us to one another, like a real unity, like as jesus and god the father and god the spirit are united there's a real unity we're going to talk about this one of these days then another calibrating question is how united are you to other believers or if we just take the opposite approach as we in this study you say how do i know if i'm walking by the spirit well how about the opposite approach how often do you pursue the desires of your own flesh because typically in in the scripture when he talks about walking in the spirit he counters that with if you walk in the spirit you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh don't be discouraged instead with this deep dive study would it help us and motivate us and remind us we need god Would this cause us to to lean into his spirit and allow God to do something in us that we could not otherwise do? To recognize that he will make us more humble, that he will unite us, that he will set us free, and that he will empower us. So as we go throughout this next week, let's just trust him to do that work and see what he can do in and through us this week. We'll talk to you guys next week.